Hello and welcome back to the fourth episode of the Zedcast. Sorry if my voice sounds a little bit bad today, I am sick, but uh, I still decided to record another episode of this podcast that I had forgotten about for a while, but uh, I'm back to it now, because I'm still a while away from the big 100, the big 100 that I've been aiming for. So today's episode, I was thinking I will cover the new Tyler the Creator album, Call Me If You Get Lost, highly anticipated album from me, uh, and overall, I'll just give my thoughts, I'll go through a few tracks I thought would stand out, a few that I didn't like as much as the others, I don't think there are any bad tracks, and uh, at the end I'll uh, I'll um, you know give a little summary and uh, hopefully... Um, you'll be able to know what my thoughts on the album are. Okay, uh, play the intro. Tyler the Creator's new album, Call Me If You Get Lost, is a very different vibe and a very different sounding project than his other previous projects. In a lot of ways, it's a return to the old style he had on uh, albums like Wolf and uh, older stuff like that, Cherry Bomb. But um, in a lot of ways, it's sort of fused with his new... Uh, work in a way that, you know, Cherry Brom tried to do, mixes new and old sounds, but um, didn't fully succeed, I feel like. Um, a, lo- a comparison I've heard a lot is uh, if Flower Boy and Igor had a baby and it was raised by Cherry Bomb. I think that's an interesting way of looking at it, and you can see um, he's definitely uh, making a more rap-focused uh, album uh, with this one. You can tell that uh, pretty clearly from the DJ drama yelling in the background from the fact that he's rapping on pretty much almost every song. So um, that's an interesting change of pace from his last two albums, but definitely a welcome one. Not that the the last two albums were bad, I think they're some of his best albums he's ever made, but um, it's good to see him switch it up again so uh, nothing ever gets, you know, stale. And uh, some of the best songs on the album are actually the ones where he's not rapping, but um, there are lots of good rap tracks. So it starts off with a um, a song that samples this old Conductor song, and it's it's a great beat, it's a great, um, very simple beat, but a, a great little introduction to the album. You see him rapping a little bit, uh, it's very short, you, you hear DJ drama. Then you get into the next song, very loud, uh, I believe the next song's Horso, if I'm correct, yeah, that one has a very explosive bass, a very loud bass, uh, which is very exciting, it's when you hear that sort of thing, it's, uh, really perks you up, it's like, oh my gosh, that's, uh, that's very impressive, that's very, um, cool to hear on a Tyler project, because 
not that he hasn't had loud basses in the past, but just he, it's not it just hits you out of nowhere. It's just like damn, that's really uh really interesting. Then he has, if I'm getting the track list correct, uh, Lemonhead, which is the first of many features you wouldn't exactly expect on a um Tyler project. You have a 42 Doug feature, which I was not familiar uh, of this artist before this album but he gave a really great uh, feature on the second half I've heard some people saying this feature is trash but I don't think that's uh, I don't think that's true I think uh, I think Tyler has a great way of um of making you like artists that maybe you normally wouldn't like he whenever he brings a feature on it always uh, brings out the best of that artist and you can really see that on this um on this album, you can see artists that I wouldn't even enjoy usually are giving top-notch features, and uh, th- that's especially notable, I'd say, on "What's Your Name," which uh, converted a lot of young boy never broke again uh, haters because he-, he sung his heart out on the second half of the track. And when I saw initially uh, featuring young boy. I was I was shocked. I was like, I never thought uh, Tyler would get that sort of artist, but um, it really worked for the song, and uh, I think that's something very impressive about the album is him managing to uh, put artists out of their comfort zone and uh, really put them in the spotlight, make them shine, like uh, like Playboy Cardi on Earthquake. You you wouldn't usually see him rapping over piano beats or anything. Uh, you wouldn't, like, you've never heard, um, Cardi rap over anything like that, but it's one of his best features, probably, of all time, and, um, that's really impressive for an artist to be able to do that, because lots of times an artist will bring on a feature, it'll just feel out of place, it'll be mediocre, you'll want to get it back to the main artist, and I don't think, uh, that happens on this, um, Project. Not to say any of the features outshine him or anything, but uh, you never, you never just hate any of the features. I don't think there's a bad feature on this uh, entire thing. Um, and uh, that's especially true with the little, the little Wayne uh, verse on Hot Wind Blows. That's uh, a top-notch Lil Wayne feature because you know nowadays, uh, and I guess forever, Lil Wayne's always been a very hit or miss artist. When he hits, he really hits. He's really incredible. But uh, when he misses, he's just doesn't work at all. Just doesn't. But uh, here it really works when uh, he he's on this uh, sort of beta, very impressive flip of a seventies sample, and it uh, he's got his usual wordplay and everything. That's very. Um, interesting to hear that's very interesting to see and uh there are lots of other tracks that uh really shocked me and um impressed me in ways that i weren't expecting for example the eight minute track wilshire for first of all it's eight minutes long which immediately is like um it's like telling you okay so you've sort of set yourself a challenge can i keep the audience interested in a single song not a two-part song a single song for eight minutes long usually that's like unheard of you'd have to really be confident in yourself that this is a song that is entertaining the whole way through and i think that uh the the thing about wilshire is it's interesting because it's the instrumental doesn't really change up the entire time it's pretty much just a looping little 
thing. Um, but the interesting thing that keep it that keeps it uh, interest you ke- keeps you interested the entire time is Tyler's storytelling ability. <coughs> Sorry, uh, Tyler's storytelling ability, which is really really showed and top notch on this song. Like I've always known Tyler to be a great storyteller. He's been able to spin tales. You can see it on his earlier albums. Uh, he'd fabricate all this stuff, but um. Here, this is a real story of uh, him being in a very messy uh, love triangle, and you really are able to see it from every angle. You're able to see his angle. You're able to fully. He really paints you a picture of the whole, um, the whole story, which um, is something really, really impressive. And uh, he he really makes you thoroughly invested in this eight minute song. Um, I I wouldn't exactly like listen to it casually because it's an eight minute song, but. Well, when I do listen to it, I'm invested the entire way through because it's because he's you're, you're invested in the story. He's a good storyteller, so you're you're interested in what he's saying. Um, <clears throat> the only other song that's longer than that is a two-part song, which is entertaining the entire way through. It doesn't even feel like nine minutes because it's just two songs pretty much stitched together, which he does on um, all of his albums. I think the tenth track is. Uh, Maybe not all of them, but most of them. The tenth track is a two-part track, and every time that tenth part track is one of the best on the album, and there's no exception here. Uh, Sweet slash, I thought you wanted to dance is one of the best tracks on the album. It starts off a nice, uh, I'm not sure, jazzy style. I, I, I don't know how to describe it. <coughs> and then, sorry, the um, uh, the impressive thing is it uh, switches up into a reggae, a reggae style, uh, like. Um, thing in the second half which is something you've never heard Tyler do before but he really really owns it I think the second half of that track might be my favorite part it's just it's very catchy it's very uh lovely it's just lovely um in terms of other favorites I think the biggest banger and the most obvious uh, I can imagine this song being a hit song on there is Juggernaut. He's already made a music video for it because I think he knows that, yeah, this is going to... That there's no way this isn't going to become a hit. It has a sort of little uh, intro, 20 seconds. It's just like, okay, this isn't, like, super impressive. You're sort of not impressed. It's like... It still leads you on it for a while. It's like, okay, where's where's this going? Like, this isn't bad, but, like, where's this going? And then right when you start thinking that... The, the beat switches up suddenly, and it's just this loud siren beat, very energetic, very impressive, and it's like, okay, okay, this is this is where the song's going, I was not expecting that, and uh, you get Tyler's very, like, great verse, very hyped up, uh, energetic verse, and then it switches up to Lil Uzi's vert, uh, his feature, his verse, which is one of his best features in I don't know how long, he's rapping faster than I've heard him rap in a long time and he's doing it well and it's like okay you've bought the best Lil Uzi Vert feature in ages it's not the first time he's been on Tyler's music but it's incredible that he's gotten this feature and it's Pharrell's feature and Pharrell has been on Tyler's music before but never like this never uh this is top tier Pharrell feature right here this is and it's like okay you've managed to get three different artists you've gone you You've gone Lil Uzi Vert, and it's you've gone Pharrell, and it's like you've managed to um you've managed to get best the the best features out of all of them, and that's incredibly uh, 
incredibly impressive because if one of those verses was a dud the whole song wouldn't work but it uh it really does and it you you managed to keep that energy the entire song like the energy never dies down after the first 20 seconds it's um i can imagine it being played at a concert and it would do really well at a like a mosh pit or something another song that would is uh run it up it has this um Really uh, energetic. Uh, what's it? What's it called? It's it's not a chorus. It's like a sing along little thing, a chant. It's it's got this great chant there. Uh, we go run it up. We go run. <laughs> but uh, it's got that. You, you you've probably heard it. Uh, but um, that song is great because it's uh, it's another s- sort of uh, positive Tyler track where he's sort of trying to convince people to follow their dreams like uh he's, it's not the first time he's made a track like this but uh it's one of the best ones out of uh the ones he's done before because it really is inspirational to hear songs like this and rise running up rise songs like that they, they are genuinely um inspirational because he, if you know about tyler's story then you know he did come from nothing he went from uh, recording his grandmother's couch to recording in these big studios with Hans Zimmer and it's it is inspirational it makes you want to follow your dreams uh, and that's something that a lot of artists can't really do in their music because a lot of artists were just born into wealthy families like Jane Smith like he he probably wouldn't okay i'll i'll say he certainly wouldn't become a be a popular artist if he wasn't will smith's son he'd be someone on soundcloud with like three three listens uh okay this has just suddenly turned into a jaden dissing podcast but uh anyway back to the album uh really the thing about it I love the most, though, is how luxurious the entire project sounds. It really sounds like, with the whole, you know, Call Me If You Get Lost theme, it's um, it's obvious uh, how important a part of the album Travelling is. You can even hear Tyler say that his most important possession is his passport. And it really feels like, uh, while you're listening to this album, it's like you're travelling around the world. You're travelling, like, on a... Uh, you can imagine, like, sunny beaches of France. You can imagine uh, being on a boat, um, like a yacht. You can imagine all those things by just the way the instrumentals sound. And that's something uh, very impressive, I'd say, about uh, about the album is that uh, it can take you to these places when, in reality, you might uh, not be on a yacht while you're listening to it, and you probably aren't actually on a yacht while you're listening to the album. But uh, it can take the, you those places just by uh, music, and I think that's that's really uh, lovely that it can do that. Uh, okay, overall, I'd give the album a a um probably a 9 out of 10 like uh it might be too soon to say but i don't think so really i think 9 out of 10 is pretty fair yeah i really loved it real g's move in silence like lasagna real g's move in silence like lasagna Lasagna doesn't move. Lasagna doesn't move at all. It doesn't move in silence. It doesn't move loud. It just doesn't move. That's not something that 
lasagna does. But that's not what the line is referencing. He is in fact talking about the the pro, the he is talking about the way that you pronounce you the the way that you pronounce the way that you pronounce lasagna. You pronounce lasagna without the G, but when you spell lasagna there's a G. So the G is silent. So when he says real G's move in silence like lasagna, he is talking about the way you pronounce lasagna has no when you say it there's no G in there. And if you're a real G, when you move you will be silent like the G in lasagna is also silent, which is also what real G's are when they move. So what they are saying is that, in a way, uh, they are comparing comparing the they are comparing the um the the word lasagna and the letter G. They are comparing that um that letter to the way in which people move. The G's will move which is in silence, like the letter G also is in silence, but the G does not move. The G is stationary within the letter. It is only the fourth letter. It is never the fifth letter. It is never the first letter. Unless, unless um, you misspell lasagna. But then you're not, correctly spelling lasagna you're creating your own fictional word so saying that uh, real G's move move in silence like lasagna is ridiculous because lasagna doesn't move but of course he's not referring to he's not referring to lasagna moving because that's ridiculous lasagna doesn't move it is stationary because it is a inanimate object and that is not what lasagna does move but he's not referring to lasagna as in the the object he is referring to the word and specifically the one letter in the word which is G. G lasagna it's silent. You cannot hear when you are saying the word lasagna, do you hear the G? No, because the G is silent. Like the real G's are. The real G's the gangstars, as you would say, the the G stands for gangstars. They, when they are moving, you will not be able to hear them move because they move like the letter G does in the word lasagna. But that doesn't make sense because the G doesn't move. The G doesn't move. The G is just a letter. Letters do not move around. They stay stationary within the word. Because they're, they're words. 
they, they, they can't think, they're letters. They can be used to express thoughts, like the whole line is made up of letters, but the letters don't move around. That's just not what letters do, they stay stationary within the, the, <clears throat> well they stay stationary within the word. So when he's saying real G's move in silence like lasagna, you, you'll, you'll probably be confused because lasagna doesn't move. Because it's just this inanimate object, it can't think, it can't feel, it certainly can't vote. So how is it supposed to move? How would it be able to move to the ballot box to vote? That's ridiculous. He so he can't. So why is he saying that gangsters move like lasagna? But he, move in silence. <coughs> if lasagna doesn't move, so is he saying that gangsters don't move? They just stay in one place, ready to be eaten. Like lasagna does? No, because he's not referring to the actual food, lasagna, the food that is enjoyed by cats, such as Garfield. He's referring to the word, and specifically the letter, the, the fourth letter of the word, which is G. So when he is saying that line, Real G's move in silence like lasagna, he is referring to the fourth letter G, which... If you say the word, it is silent when you say it. It does not, you cannot hear it. You cannot hear the, you cannot hear the letter G. Is, but the, is it? Lasagna. Lasagna? Las, 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 Laz, lasagna, 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 yeah. G, no. L, lasag, lasag, lasagna. There is no G that you say. You do not. Perhaps if you <coughs> say it in a different. Way, maybe you, uh, maybe you, uh, maybe you would say the G, but lasagna, no G, lasagna, but who says lasagna? Do people say lasagna? I mean, I'm fine with it. But why would you say that? Why would you say lasagna? That just is wrong. Unless, of course, your accent, lasagna, is that a, what sort of accent would that be, British, British? Do British people say lasagna? That, that way the line would be incorrect, he, real G's move in silence like lasagna, except for the the lasagna that is, that is um, different, that is from a different, that is from a different place. Because that G would not be silent, and that that um that place that um that place where the lasagna is different, that G isn't silence. So he is only referring to 
a certain amount of lasagna. He's not referring to all the lasagna. So you cannot just you cannot just refer to one type of lasagna as all of the lasagna. That's a synecdoche. You are not being reasonable to assume that all G's are silent and all the lasagnas out there. That's absurd to even suggest that. So first of all, <coughs> real G's move in silence like lasagna. Lasagna doesn't move. That's the first thing. And, but, so lasagna doesn't move, is what he I'm trying to say. But if that's one perspective to take, you can have that perspective. But that is that is willfully ignoring the fact that that is not what he meant. He was not talking about lasagna moving around. He is not talking about Lars Narg moving. Lars Narg doesn't move. He is talking about the word Lars Narg, and the fourth word in Lars Narg is uh, Lazarg Nar Narg. So Narg Sarg is the real G's. So real G's, real gang gang stars, is and that he is referring to. They will move in a similar fashion to the word, the letter G in the specific word Lazarg Narg, and Lazarg Narg. You cannot pronounce the G because apparently that is incorrect according to his quotations in the line but the thing is that there is only one way of looking at the word there's only one way of saying the word when they're in reality there are many different ways of saying the words and I don't think you should be saying that your way is right that your way is correct the, the, because you do not pronounce the G, no one is allowed to pronounce the G. I think everyone should and can and would and could be allowed to pronounce the G in Lazarnarg Vidarg. The, the G in Lazarnarg Vidarg is a letter that is always, all always in the English language, spelt with a G. So the G exists, is not fictional. But when it is pronounced, perhaps it might not be pronounced, but perhaps it will be pronounced. So that's the thing that you have to consider. And he clearly didn't consider this, that maybe he is incorrect and that maybe he is false. And that the way that he sees things is a different perspective than the perspective of those others. And second of all, real Gs. Are there fake Gs? Who are these fake Gs? It's, this is just ridiculous. You're separating the Gs, the gangsters, as you might call them, into two different categories, the real ones and the fake ones. And the real ones, according to you, they move in silence. They do not make a sound. But the the fake ones, the, fi the fictitious ones, the f the fragmented figures of your imagination, as you might call them, these move not stealthily, not stealthily, not making a sound, but instead they move loudly, <coughs> making all sorts of 
bumbling noise which would give away their position to the enemy, of course. So that is the explanation as to the first half of the line, the real G's that move in silence. And now he, in the second part of the line, however, he compares the way in which they move these people, these G's, these gangsters, these people move comparatively to something that doesn't move, lasagna, that just doesn't make sense. How can you compare something that moves to something that doesn't move, and isn't a person, isn't, doesn't have feelings, and doesn't think, that is just food waiting to be consumed? How can you do that, okay?